Are you a woman searching for purpose and success? A housewife? Maybe a single mother? You're in the right place. Welcome to Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast with Ms. Lisa Nobles. Activate, motivate, inspire. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast. I am Miss Lisa Nobles, your hostess, and I am so excited and elated to have you join in with me today. Speaking of today, our topic consists of how to invest in real estate and build generational wealth without banks, credit, cash, or a realtor. So get excited, family. I have a very important guest joining me for this empowerment segment at the Savvy Speaks Roundtable. This segment is dedicated in sharing how to successfully enter the real estate business from a wholesale perspective with the guidance of guidance of a coach or mentor, which is our guest. This is her specialty. And today we're going to just learn about how to earn some passive income while building your legacy family. So we're going to give a warm welcome to our guest, Queen Jamila Gaines, who is the wholesale diva, a coach, a mentor, a motivational speaker, event planner, and she wears many, many hats, and she really is a powerful speaker who speaks all over the country. And she also specializes in creating, teaching, and empowering entrepreneurs to learn how to sell wholesale houses without the use of your own money, banks, not having an extremely high credit score. So no credit score is, is, is a part of um, her teaching, nor a realtor. So welcome, Queen Jamila, to the Savvy Speaks Empowerment Roundtable. Family, again, our focus today is on how to invest in real estate and build generational wealth without banks, credit, cash, or a realtor family. So Jamila, again, welcome, Queen, and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, thank you so much, first of all, Lisa, for having me on Savvy Show. I am so excited and hyped to be a part of this. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is phenomenal. You know, I'm always, always, always inspired when I can share, motivate, empower individuals about building generational wealth. Awesome. So a little bit about me, (laughs) even though I'm not the focus of this, the information is. But a little bit about me. Um, I grew up in the projects of Chicago. Mm-hmm. For those of you that know about the projects, we were, um, we were born and raised in the tall projects, the ones that had like 17 floors. Yes. And growing up as a little girl, I always kind of had this attitude like, God, every night I would say my prayers and I'll be like, God, I love you, but I know you made a mistake. I'm not supposed to be living this type of life. You know, the struggles, the fights, the drama. The pregnancy, the prostitution, the drugs. I always knew that I was destined for something better. But I had no idea or concept of how I was going to get out of that situation. Yes. But I would say prayers every night instead of, you know, lay me down to sleep. I would say, God, get me out of the projects. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was I'm a different type of prayer person. Uh, but long story short, uh, basically once my family moved out of the project and got their first house in Chicago, um, I found out about a lady in our community named Miss Vera Ship. And Miss Vera Ship ran a modeling school, kind of like for those of you that are young, you probably wouldn't know, but the older uh, individuals listening to your broadcast, they might know. Uh, yes. Kind of like a fashion fair models training program. And I negotiated with her at a young age. I said, I would come and clean your modeling school every day or every three times a week or whatever if you would just give me a bus pass. Because back then, you know. Parents wasn't, wasn't going to take you and drop you anywhere unless it was a boys and girls club or after school program. Right. So I began going over and she never actually taught me modeling because I thought, okay, that's my way, that's my way out of the hood. Uh, if she could make my face up, make me look pretty, you know, put me on pretty clothes and get me into modeling because she was known all over Chicago as, you know, putting on these big fabulous fashion shows and even working with um, Ebony, the magazine and Jet. So I was like, okay, she's my way out. However, she never taught me modeling. Never. She taught me business. 
Yes. She taught me how to structure fashion shows, how to produce fashion shows, how yes. to hire the set, how to write contracts. This lady took me to a whole nother level in my head. And I would go home every night and I was so excited I couldn't even sleep at night because of what she had shared with me. And then she started taking me to seminars and workshops. I didn't even know what that, that was at the time. And I started meeting other black professional businesswomen that knew about stocks and bonds and bank accounts and all that. So my evolution in getting out of the ghetto or getting out of the hood and becoming a successful businesswoman began very early in life because I had mentors and coaches that took me under their wings and showed me how to get out of my situation. Right. That's amazing. I'm so excited to further learn more about your life and even your legacy and, and your experience that you have to share with our audience today. So thank you so much again, Queen, for being here on our show. So are you ready, family? Then let's talk about it. How to invest in real estate and build generational wealth without banks, credit, cash, or a realtor. And as you can see, Miss Miss Jamila has already shared a wealth of um, knowledge, and we're excited to hear what else um, her expertise in this field. So, Jamila, can you tell us a little bit more about your history and how you became passionate about helping others to sell real estate from a wholesale perspective? Well, I have to go back into my personal history a little yes. to bring you up to that point. So, okay. if that's okay with your audience, yes, that's, um, that's what I want. So, Growing up, I went through a lot of abuse. Um, I served time in juvenile incarceration. Um, there were times when I was homeless because I just, I just couldn't deal with the situations I was going through in life yeah. as far as my personal situation growing up. However, um, after marriage number six, and it's just not Liz Taylor, guys. <laughs> She's not the only <laughs> That's okay. After marriage number six, my husband just walked in the house one day and announced he didn't want to be married anymore. And at the time, I was a military wife. I was living extremely well. We were living in military housing in California. Had nice cars in the driveway. I was working as a modeling instructor for Barbizon in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. My children were in private school. You know, I was living the dream life. We had the white picket fence without the picket fence, basically. And he came in and just announced he wanted a divorce. And I was like blown away and i remember my mentors always telling me only takes 72 hours to get over anything you yes. know don't don't let it linger don't let it get a crust on it you know 72 hours get over it so i took 72 hours and sat down and on pencil and paper and started deciding how i was going to restructure my life because at the time i had two small children and i was like okay my kids are used to a certain lifestyle i came from the project i don't ever want to go back where i came from right so what is plan B. And you know how in retrospect, you're watching TV, but you're not watching it. You, you hear it, but you're not really, you know, your peripheral vision, you see it when you're listening to what it says. So this commercial came on and I guarantee you, I've heard this commercial a thousand times. It was a gentleman by the name of Carlton Sheets. And he was saying, you too can own real estate without banks, credit or cash. Right. And I turned to the TV and said, Okay, universe, if that's a sign, let me watch this commercial. Because I never really paid attention to it. Right. So I watched the entire commercial. And lo and behold, they had a seminar coming up that weekend that was free to the public. And it was going to be given in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So I made an appointment, registered to go to the seminar. I called the 800 number, registered to go. And literally, my life changed. Yes. After I listened to the information they gave, because... Being a girl from the hood, we learn fast. When you right. explain something to me, and especially if you show it to me visually, and they had a lot of PowerPoints that they did at the event. If you show me something visually, I get it. it you don't have to beat me over the head with it. I'm not one of those analytical, got to figure it out, well, why this and why that, and maybe this, and what if this doesn't work? I don't think like that. When I see an opportunity, I seize it. And I went out and did my first deal in 30 days and made $10,000. Actually, I made 20 because I had to split it with my mentor. So my cut was 10000 and some dollars. And I said, oh, my God, this stuff really works. And I was so excited, but I couldn't tell anybody. <laughs> you know, you, you, you can't tell people that, first of all, they won't believe you. Second of all, you don't tell somebody you just made $10,000. And thirdly, you don't say it if you're going through a divorce. So I made the money, and I said, oh, this works. So... The military 
relocated me. They said, wherever you want to go, we'll relocate you and your two children. I went and did detailed research on what cities have the lowest priced real estate that you could purchase. And I decided to go to Dallas, Texas. Yes. I went to Dallas and purchased 10 properties with the money I had acquired and some of my 401k that I had saved up. And that's the only time, and I want to reiterate that's the only time I have ever used my money to purchase real estate. Okay. But I bought those properties as investment properties because I knew later on down the line, I was going to turn them into 30 year mortgages. Right. And so I purchased those properties and then I purchased two properties, one down the street and then one that me and my children moved into. Okay. And that helped support in addition to some other things I was still doing as far as special events, fashion shows, pageants, things like that, uh, expos and trade shows. And I was still working as a nurse. Um, Part-time. Right. I didn't go full-time. I just worked part-time because I wanted to keep that license and keep that skill up. But right. that was my intro into real estate. And after I got successful in it, I said, well, okay, it's time for me to give back. Because one of the things my mentors really stressed with me is when you become successful just a little bit, is your obligation and your responsibility to reach one, teach one. Yes. So I got a group of people together in Dallas and did a six-week program. And one of the young ladies in the program did her first deal. She made $8,000 and she called Lynn Hayes, who has a radio show in Dallas. Lynn Hayes put me on the radio and the rest is history. My, right. my whole career exploded. I mean, people started calling me like, what do you charge? And look, I didn't even know what to charge at the time because I didn't consider myself a mentor or coach or anything. Right. And I was just like, well, you know, give me $300 and I'll show you how to do the business or whatever. But that has evolved into a program, a training, a mentorship. I travel all over the country now. I teach groups and organizations. So it exploded into an actual business for me. But I still do real estate, still do deals, and still teach, coach, and train groups and organizations in this business because you don't know what you don't know. Right. And a large majority of us have not been taught that there's a whole nother way to buy real estate. We only see what we see on TV or we only hear from our family and friends who are realtors or something like that. We don't know there are many creative ways to do real estate investing and build generational wealth. I love that. So when we're talking about building generational wealth and we're and you just discussed um, your history that led you up to this part in your life, could you say that that's why you became passionate about showing others? It, it, because you gave a substantial discount basically from then to now on just, you know, getting a group of, group of people together to show them the ropes. So would you say that exactly. that's why your passion de derived? I think it derived from seeing single mothers yes. because when I advertised, I looked for women that were going through a divorce. You yeah. know, I looked for women that had kinship with what I had experienced. I looked for women that came from low income backgrounds. I looked for those women to empower and motivate and show them how to do real estate because my personal philosophy is women need to always have a B and a C plan. Come on. And a lot of women, don't. they don't. Right. I love that. So when you're talking, um, and, and this is the Wholesale Diva, what does it mean to sell real estate wholesale for our audience members who are not familiar with this concept? I'll give an analogy if that will help them. And I always kind of use the movie The Matrix. Um, most of us are born, bred, and raised to live in a um, The Matrix, the movie. Right. We go to work, you know, we go get coffee, we get in our car, we go to work, we work with people we hate, we get off work, angry, drive through traffic, go home and do the cycle all over and over and over again. In our business, our time is free. We're able to travel. We're able to do things with our children that we normally wouldn't be able to do. Right. And we don't have to stress about someone telling us when to take PTO, when to take off, when right. to be in your cubicle, what time to come in, things like that. And on the other side of it, another analogy would be in the real estate agent world, they have to get a license. They have to follow certain rules and regulations, and they are required by a fiduciary responsibility to get the highest price for a seller's house. Mm -hmm. My job, my job as a wholesaler, because understand there are three people involved in my transaction. Right. I have the seller of the property who's right. in trouble. I have myself who has to get paid and my team, 
and then I have the end buyer. So when you see those TV shows where they're knocking down walls and rehabbing and remodeling and all that, those are the people we sell the houses to. Yes. But our sellers are people that are in trouble that might be behind in taxes. They might be going through a divorce. And from my own personal experience, when you're going through a divorce, the first thing the judge says is sell the house. So people behind in taxes, people that are incarcerated, people that uh, are behind on their mortgage payments, mm -hmm. people that have got a job transfer and have to leave in 60 days, or people that just walk away from a situation, they inherited grandma's house and right. nobody wants it. Everybody lives out of state and they have their own lives. They don't want to move back in grandma's house. So my job is, as a wholesaler, is basically I'm a problem solver. I specifically deal with solving problems with people who are in distress with their property. I don't work off an MLS list. I don't work off buying houses from the courthouse. I don't buy houses from tax liens. I don't live in that world. I live outside the matrix. Right. I love that. I love that because I think that'll give clarity for our listeners who, who will want more information on your program. So why do you think that others should work for themselves over a nine to five? Because I know that in our offline conversation, we talked about, you know, what you just kind of mentioned, you went into a little depth about it. Um, people who, uh, us who work the nine to five job. So why do you think that others should work for themselves, build their own uh, businesses to uh, further their generational wealth? To be perfectly honest, my personal thoughts on the, the, situation are that everyone should be striving to be an entrepreneur. You never know when you're going to get a pink slip. You never know when the government's going to shut down. You never know when they're going to cut out welfare. You never know when they're going to cut out social security. You never know when uh, robots are going to start replacing people. I mean, I went in the grocery store the other day, I think it was about 730 in the evening, and there were no cashiers in any of the registers. You had to go through the self, I, I forget what they call it, but where you scan your own groceries and everything. Right. Uh -huh. And even at McDonald's and, uh, McDonald's and a lot of other restaurants now, you scan everything. And look, you can have food delivered to your house now. Yes. Everything is going very high tech now. So if you don't have um, your own business or your own source of income, when the economy goes to the left, you're going to be stuck to the right sitting just, you know, with deer eyes, doe eyes, just looking, doe, what do they call it, doe in the headlights like ears? Yes. Eyes. You're just going to be stuck like that because you can't depend on someone to supply your substance and your need. And you definitely can't depend on them to build generational wealth. Generational wealth is built by establishing something and teaching your children how to hold on and maintain it. I love that. I love that. So even when we're talking about generational wealth, can you just expound, continue to expound upon that concept a little bit, especially for our listeners who are, you know, we weren't taught that when we were younger to establish, you know, some of us do live paycheck to paycheck. So can you, you just quickly expound upon um, general wealth and why is it relevant to the present day? living especially what you i love what you just said um how you explained that you know going into the 22nd century basically you know technology is advancing every day and one day you're going to go in and see a human and next day it's going to be more computerized especially like what you just said uh, mcdonald's even you can even uber your mcdonald's meal so can you exactly. just quickly expound upon what is uh generational wealth I did a post on Facebook, and I got a lot, a lot of responses to it, yes. and 97% of them were negative, yes. which I don't really care. I was always told by my mentors and coaches, if they're not talking about you, that's when you need to be worried. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I put, a post, I put a post on Facebook that said, most cultures, other cultures, teach their children to play Monopoly and chess. Yes. We teach our children to play bid with spades and dominoes yes and without being unpolitically incorrect okay you all know who i'm talking to <laughs> okay um it's imperative that we teach our children strategic moves yes. chess teaches strategic moves i'm not saying necessarily you have to teach your kids to play chess but you need to teach your children how to be strategic and how to maintain wealth if you've acquired it for them 
In addition to that, Monopoly is a game that should be in every single person's home because it teaches children how to buy real estate, how to buy commercial real estate, you know, how to go past jail. It teaches them, if you really think about it, we never stopped and looked at the Monopoly game and the structure of it, but there was a message behind that. Right. I'm sure that the, the forefathers that invented that game had a message for their generation. Right. I tell people all the time, when you go and buy a Michael Kors purse, or you check into a Hilton hotel, or you buy a Red Bottom, or you buy a Versace, you're making those people wealthy. Why aren't you buying something with your name on it? Why aren't you developing something with your name on it? Building a legacy is not about spending money. We spend billions of dollars on other people's name brands. But we don't strive to build our own empires. I love it. And that's very frustrating to me. And I think that's part of my passion with mm-hmm. wanting to reach back out into the community and not just in the African-American community, in any underprivileged communities and teach them. We're in America, the greatest country in the world. Yes. Where our president currently is a real estate investor. Yes. Think about that. That man is a real estate investor first and he became president second. Mm-hmm. What part of that did we all miss? What part of that went over our heads? Mm-hmm. You can't build generational wealth if you're busy flossing with the spinning rims and the fancy car and the fancy house and the fancy this and the fancy that. You can't build generational wealth doing that. And you can't build generational wealth by saving your money in banks. You have to invest in something that's not going anywhere. Food, clothing, and shelter are three major priorities in everyone's life. And I'm telling you, shelter is number one. Right. So as long as you're providing shelter, you're going to be financially stable. Your generations will be financially stable. Right. So we didn't get our 40 acres and a mule, so we're going to have to go get it ourselves. Right. And, and, and you know something, just to, to throw out an idea there, when you were just speaking about how that some of us, we do buy the, the, the things that we, we, we feel that we've earned um, the rims or whatever. You, if you're already at that level, and you're, you have those things. What I believe um, Jamila is saying that's not a bad thing. It's the point that in our history or in some of our histories, we we have that as our only equity. That is our equity. That's where our equity goes, which is fleeting. Is what you're saying? I think. Am I correct on that? You're saying that all we have are cars and rims to show. Then what do we really have? What can you leave? Can you leave the rims to your children as a legacy? And I really, I'm glad you said that. I I think that some we need to have that tough conversation just to make us. And it's not just one ethnicity or one race. Tough love. Right. I love that. So I was, our next question I was going to ask you was what was some of the benefits for selling homes wholesale, but you really kind of have touched on that already. Is there anything else you wanted to add to what is another benefit for selling homes wholesale or getting into this type of business? What I find mostly in people that approach me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, they reach out to me by email or they see me. Um, on an interview, on a TV show, or they hear me on a radio show, they will say, well, you know what? I want to get into wholesaling. They're excited and mesmerized by the big check. What I need to get people to understand and absorb, they need to absorb this. If you come into this business chasing the money, the money's going to run. Let me repeat that. If you come into this business chasing the money, the money's always going to run. Mm-hmm. You can't chase the money. You have to come in with a why. That's a W-H-Y. Mm-hmm. Why? I want to build generational wealth for my grandkids. I don't want them struggling and on welfare and depending on WIC and food stamps. Why? Because I want to leave a legacy in my name. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I want to accumulate some land and build group homes for seniors or veterans or mm-hmm. homeless people. Why? You have to have a why to get into the real estate. Now, on the other side, a lot of people approach me, like I'm meeting with a client this afternoon, him and his wife. They specifically said to me, because when I sit down with a client, before I even accept payment from you or even talk to you about payment, I want to know what are your goals with the real estate. Mm -hmm. This gentleman told me 
but I've never owned anything in my life. I've never owned a house and no one in my family has ever owned a house, which is a sad situation. But he says, I want to accumulate four or five properties. So number one, I can put my mother and my father in one. His parents mm -hmm. are still alive. He said, and so that I can rent the others out to people that need rooms. Yes. Because you have a lot of society that on social security, fixed incomes, um, SSI, disability, they can't afford to pay eight, nine hundred, a thousand, two thousand dollars a month rent in an apartment. Mm -hmm. But if you have a house, instead of renting the house out to one family, you can rent the rooms out at X amount a month to individuals that just need a room to stay in, kind of like what we call communal living. Right. We call it collective living. These people get along. College students, uh, veterans, uh, homeless women, homeless men. There's a large segment of the population out there that would be totally comfortable living in an environment like that. Now, it's generating revenue for you, and it's paying off the property if you purchase the property, if you haven't purchased it all cash and you have a mortgage on it or whatever. Mm -hmm. However, you're supplying a need to society. Yes. And there are government grants and programs out there that will pay you. This is what I'm talking about our people don't know. There are government grants and programs that will pay you to rent rooms to these people. Wow. But you don't know what you don't know. Right. I love that. I love that. So let's kind of keep going with the same theme. So how can one, especially through your program, Jamila, sell a home without bank credit or a realtor? I mean, that is why a lot of us are here. We want to know what is the secret. And, and, I, and I do understand from talking to you, you, very, you, you don't play, especially about you have to be ready to work hard. If I didn't see a common theme through what you were saying, as well as the videos that I watched last night, you yeah. you you support that hard work in almost every video and i watched several that you in your and, and from from your students and all of them they they you advocate hard work so how yeah. can one sell a home without bank credit or a realtor but with hard work well first of all let me address the hard work okay if you can bust your butt eight hours or me as a nurse i was working 16 and 20 hour shifts right if you can bust your butt working like that for someone else my whole philosophy is bust your butt and work like that for yourself yes so when people jump into entrepreneurship whether it's multi-level marketing or starting their own business they think it's going to be easy they think right. you build it they will come build it and they will come that's not the way life really is. Any business you get into as an entrepreneur, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to put in the same amount of tenacity, commitment, right. focus, determination, research, everything that you did when you were working a job, which is just over broke, for someone else. So one of the things that I focus on before I even will take a client on or when I go out and teach to big groups and organizations, I stress to them. This is not going to be an easy business. It's not going to be hard once you master it, right. but it's not going to be easy initially going in because you have to have a new, let me say that again, a new mindset. Yes. Your mindset is you've been told when to get up. Okay, you got to be at the office at 8. So you know you've got to get up at 6.30 or 7 and shower and get dressed and get in your car to get through traffic to get to work. Nobody's telling you that as an entrepreneur. You have to get yourself up every morning and motivate yourself. You have to have some type of routine. You know, I get up in the morning, I do this, I do this, and I yes. do this, and then I check my emails, and then I make phone calls, and then I negotiate so many deals, I get so many contracts, I get these over to the title company. You have to run this like a business. Yes. And I can't stress enough. I tell people, this is not a hobby. This, you can't take this lightly. It's a business. Yes. And the main thing and this is not a big secret, but I'll share this much without giving away the baby with the bathwater, as they say. Okay, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question and give your audience an example. Okay. If your grandmother passed away, God forbid, and she owned a house in Mississippi, big five-bedroom, three-bath, two-stories, sitting on seven acres of land, and this was where everybody went every summer to hang out. And when we all had family reunions, everybody came down there. Now, fast forward to 2019, you're living in Texas. 
Your sister's living in New York. Your brother's in L.A. All the families got their own lives going on. They probably got their own homes and jobs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So grandma passes away. She leaves the house to all of you guys. And let's say it's four of you. None of you want to go back and move in that house. You don't want to go back and move to Mississippi. You have a life going on in Texas. Mm -hmm. You have a business. Your brother has a life. Your sister. All of you all have your own lives going on now. So you decide to sell grandma's house. The realtor says in order to sell it, you got to put in new steps, a new roof. Right. You got to get a termite inspection. You got to get a survey done. You got to stage it. You got to put in new floors. You've got to do all this stuff. And you're like, oh my God. And you find out once grandma passes away that she hasn't paid the taxes for the last eight years. Mm-hmm. So she this this uh, city twenty thirty thousand dollars. So you guys sit down and have a meeting and say, well, oh my God, what are we going to do? And then on top of that, when a road to sell it, you got to pay them three to six percent. So along comes somebody like me. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, I'll buy it as is. You mm-hmm. don't have to fix anything. You don't have to do a survey. You don't have to put a new roof in. Mm-hmm. You don't have to move a stitch of grandma's old raggedy furniture that has been there 40 or 50 years. Yeah, I will take the property as is and I will give you a cash offer. If you guys agree to my term. Right. So I give you three or four options. I usually give a family three or four options. They can take it all in one lump sum, which we will pay all the back taxes, all the closing costs. We'll yeah. do the rehab work, all of that. Or they can do terms. Let's just say if the family agrees, it's four of you all. And you say, well, you know what? We, we don't know how much grandma's house is, or we know how much it's worth. But, you know, just give us $40,000. That's 10000 each. Right. And you guys feel that's fair. And I agree that it's fair. If we both agree, and it's a win-win for everyone, I can take that property, put it under contract with your family, because mm-hmm. I'm assuming you all have power of attorney or probate or there was a right. will or something. I get it over to my title company. My title company runs a detailed title search. They go back 50 years to make right. sure there's no lien on the property. Once that comes back, my agreement with you is to give you $40,000, which you always put four ways, and then I turn around and sell the property for fifty thousand yes. to an end buyer who's going to go in and knock out the walls, put in new carpet, put in new roof, fix it up, rehab it. He's going to spend thirty, forty thousand dollars fixing it up, and he's going to turn around and resell it, or he's going to rent it out. Whatever right. he chooses to do, that ten thousand dollars is my wholesale fee that I make for right. negotiating the deal. So yeah. I don't charge percentages. I don't charge. Stuff like that. I just tried to flat feet. I love that. Now, you were speaking about Jamila just real quickly because we were going to talk about that a little bit later. So I'm glad you brought that up because it was very appropriate about mindset. So um, mm-hmm. I, as I was reviewing some of your videos, one of the your training videos that I really appreciated in your segment was you, was you were speaking to your team. You were telling them about, you were explaining to them about manif- manifestation. I think that was the one and how the, and, and the importance of how you talk to yourself, which will create the life that they want to live. So can you share a little bit more about why it is important? Cause we've talked a little bit about, um, being an entrepreneur, investing in your business, you know, and just starting out going kind of transitioning from nine to five. So tell me why is it important or tell us, share with the audience about manifestation in this type of business? Cause you don't normally hear that. So can you share a little bit more about that? Well, during my training with my mentors and coaches early back when I told you I was with Miss Ship and then there was Miss Tyler, the one that taught me about socks and bonds and everything. Right. One of the things that they stressed to me, even though I was raised in a Baptist and Christian environment my whole life, right. these ladies showed me another side of spirituality. And I tell people now, they say, well, what church do you belong to? Or, no, I'm spiritual. I'm not a religious person. Right. I'm more of a spiritual entity I consider myself now. And I've learned certain techniques and tools that have helped me to manifest anything that I've wanted. And sometimes I can even manifest things instantaneously. It kind of scares me sometimes, you know, it's like, whoa, (laughs) you know, but I pass those techniques on and that's part of my training. As a matter of fact, it's required for a client the first day of training because I do like five day training. It's required the first day that we work on nothing but mindset because if you're caught up too much in religion, if you're caught up too much in emotion, 
if you're caught up too much in material things, you cannot be successful in business. Right. Because every time you will get distracted and sidetracked. And I'll give you an example. I had a client one time and she was overly religious. And when I say overly religious, everything was too much of the, the, the Jesus this and Jesus that. And she would push it down people's throats. We were at a lady's house negotiating a deal on her property. And the entire time she was talking to this lady, she kept saying to the lady, well, what church do you belong to? And you know, you need Jesus in your life. And I was like, that is not what we're here to talk about. Mm-hmm. And do you know, we didn't get that contract. That lady ended up signing that deal with someone else. Yeah. Because the, the student was forcing that down her throat. Another example, I had a student one time about five years ago. She had just lost someone close to her. I believe it was her brother or uncle or something like that, very close to her. She didn't share that with me. When we went out to do a deal at this lady's house, we were looking at the pictures on the fireplace on the mantle. Yes. And the lady said, oh, that's my son. He was just murdered two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. This girl broke down crying in this lady's living room. Oh, wow. Remember I said too emotional, too religious, or too, you know, um, caught up in, in material things. So that's an example. We didn't get that deal because she broke down crying in the lady's living room. Right. First situation. We walked in a, a seller's house and one of my students I had with me was just, oh my God. And this was a high end property. I think it was worth about 400000 Yeah. The student just kept touching this guy's expensive statues and artwork, and he didn't know you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> you know, you can right. look, but you don't touch, and you don't get overwhelmed. And he was like, "Oh my God, this is really expensive. I, this must have cost you a lot." And I was like, "I have got to incorporate mindset into my training." That's when I made the decision right. after those three situations occurred that I need to train people in the mindset of how to talk. Because a lot of us, and, and I'll give you another example that just happened two or three days ago. I was talking to a young lady and she said, Miss Gaines, um, I'm going to tell you a funny story. She said, you probably won't believe this, but it really happened. She said, I was in Red Lobster. Now, you know, Red Lobster to us is kind of middle and, you know, it's, it's the middle of the road. It's not a high-end restaurant. So, a black family went into Red Lobster to have dinner, and the little girl, she had to be about six years old, she said, Mama, we rich. Mm-hmm. That right there let me know. Now, this was someone sharing the story with me. Let me know the mentality and the conversation that goes on in that little girl's house right. for her to make a statement like that. You want, does, does that make sense? Perfect. Perfect. So, in, in essence, what I'm also hearing is that we need to elevate our conversations, even at home. But I went to a, um, a OPEX last year, and that was one of the topics. I think it was presented by the Urban League in this particular, what I'm particularly making reference to, about how that, or it was either in the all-women's panel. about. But the point was that um, how the co- type of conversations that we grow up with at home does determine, you know, how we interact in our, in our adult life, which is kind of what you allude to too as well. So, um, one of the things I was looking at your videos and you were, you were presenting to a group and you were telling them about your first deal and, in order to have a great success like that, what were some of your best practices that you developed as a, as a result of that initial deal? Because of course that included, you know, knowing how to speak to a person or, you know, knowing not to touch inappropriately, you know, items or knowing how, how to kind of balance those conversations. So what were, uh, give me like two best practices that you learned from your first deal. As a well, result, first, of all, first of all, I want to back up for a minute. I skipped over something earlier in the beginning of our conversation. Okay. After I went to that first seminar, which uh-huh. was like a two-hour presentation, they had a three-day training after that. Yeah. And in the three-day training, I don't know what anyone else got out of it. But I remember specifically one of the speakers they had talked about mindset, and that yeah. stayed with me. He said, you can't go into a high-end neighborhood in a raggedy car or dressed in tacky clothes. Right. He said, if you're going into a trailer park to do a deal, yes, there's a certain way you dress and a certain vehicle you drive. 
So my first deal, because I didn't feel comfortable initially out, the, out of the gate going to a high-end neighborhood, we were living in San Diego at the time, I didn't feel like going to a high-end neighborhood like La Jolla or something like that. Right. So I started in trailer parks. My first deal was with a elderly family in a trailer park. Right. Now, I put on a baseball hat, turned backwards. I put on some cut-up jeans. I put on a T-shirt. I, I found out on the phone they were an older couple. I put on a T-shirt that said, I love my grandma. Yeah. And I put my hair in a ponytail and took off all that makeup and all that fingernail polish and all that stuff. And I just had on a watch and a little bracelet and some gym shoes. So I learned early on appearance, mm-hmm. demeanor, mm-hmm. attitude, presentation. Mm-hmm. All those things are important. Come and on. again, like you alluded to, if you haven't been taught that at home, that's why a mentor and a coach, I feel, is extremely important. Come on. You need someone to show you how to walk, how to talk, how to dress, how to act, when to raise your voice, when to lower it. Yes. You know, when you're walking through a seller's house to not walk in front of them. It's not your house. How are you going to walk in front of the seller? (laughs) Even though they'll say, go on through. I always say to a seller, no, show me your house. Yes. You you follow what I'm saying? Yes, ma'am. certain little things. And like I tell my students, never, ever go in black outfits if you go into someone's house who just lost their grandmother or their aunt or their sister or their wife. There's little things like that that you're not taught in the real world. You're not taught to be cognizant of those type of things. Right. Like I, I see people that. there have audacity to wear white to a bride, to a wedding. Right. Where do they do that at? The number one rule in, in, in weddings is don't upstage the bride. Exactly. <laughs> no, I love that. I so love that. Something small, but you're right. It begins at home. And that's why I'm trying to reach out to the parents to teach them the real estate investing techniques or the entrepreneurial techniques in business. So many of us, again, jump out and open up businesses, but we don't run them professionally. When you call to follow up, oh, I got busy. I couldn't get back to you. That's not the conversation I need to hear from you when I'm paying you to do business with you. Come on. Or I go to your boutique and my dress is not ready or you sold my dress. I had a lady tell me, oh, I sold that dress yesterday. I said, sweetheart, I Specifically told you to hold that dress for me, and I gave you a deposit. Well, somebody came in, they had cash, and they wanted to buy it. I will never do business with you again. Right? You see, we don't know business, and then we get an attitude when people say you need a mentor or coach. No successful person, team, organization, company, corporation has been successful without coaches or consultants. Right. I love, and that's not in our culture. I love that, Jamila. I, uh, you're, share, you're sharing some golden nuggets, and we're running out of time. So I, I want to ask you one more question before I ask your final thoughts, because I kind of want to go sure. back to the mindset. So is it common Is it common to think about mindset? It, it, well, it is common to think about mindset in every venture that we encounter. You hear about it in so many different other career fields, but I'm so glad that you're bringing it up now. You speak about in your training about getting into the mindset for being an entrepreneur and that blew me away because I love that I have never heard it that way so I thank you for even saying that can you go into further details about having an entrepreneurial mindset absolutely and that's a great question Mm -hmm. having an entrepreneurial mindset means that you wake yourself up in the morning you don't wait for an o'clock your body, your system should automatically wake you up in the morning. Mm-hmm. You should get up every day and set a goal for yourself. Okay, my goal is to make $300 today. My goal is to sell X amount of products. My goal is to sell X amount of services today. Mm-hmm. My goal is X amount of people. I go sometimes to four or five networking events in a day. And people will say, well, how do you do that? Why are you doing that? Because I have to promote my business. Right. I have a PR that does, you know, my large events for me and things like that. But on a local level, I need to get out there because I'm my brand. Right. I need to promote. Businesses open up and become entrepreneurs and they'll say, well, we booked it and nobody came. Who did you advertise it to? How many festivals did you attend? How many vendors booths did you have at different events? Who knows about your product? Your five or ten friends on Facebook and your family? Uh, you can't build a business like that. You can't be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur works harder on their own business than you did for the job. That's right. They 
And we're back to mindset. You have to have a very strong mindset to be an entrepreneur. And you have to be determined. You cannot give up. You have to burn the ships. I don't know if you know about that analogy where the soldier took the, the, the Asian soldier took his soldiers on the land and he burnt the ships. He said, we have no choice but to fight. Right. You have we have to no be choice. That, like Les Brown said, you have to give yourself no choice. Your back has to be against the wall. You know what I love? I love when my students say, Miss Gaines, and if you go watch some of my YouTube videos, Miss Gaines, I quit my job. I love when students tell me that. Right. Because you know what? That means they believed in themselves enough to put their back against the wall and come out fighting and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to survive. And right. I'm going to make money and I'm going to build generational wealth. I love People that. People that still say, well, you know what? I'm going to keep one foot in the job and I'll test this. I don't even like to work with people like that because they're not committed. They're straddling the fence. Right. I love that. And we kind of talked about that last night. So I'm glad you brought that point up. Real, one more thing I want to throw in there before we do your final thoughts and give me about 30 seconds on this. Cause I like, okay. you, gave, you gave your team, it was like your end of the night. Uh, I don't know how you, you do it specifically, but it was like your end of the night, um, two minute, um, motivation for your team for that night or something like that. So, um, and what you debriefing. Yeah, you're debriefing, and, and it was only about two minutes, but one thing you were talking about, you were talking about being lonely at the top, and you made a, a triangle out of your hands. Can you just really uh, quickly, why should people understand the process of becoming successful? Because sometimes we think, I'm going to be successful, but I'm not going to lose anybody. And losing or having to let go of people who are no longer contributing to your success or decides to leave because of it. So can you quickly just touch on that, kind of like you did in your motivational moment? your debriefing absolutely it's lonely at the top of the triangle it's very lonely if you notice a triangle is wide at the bottom right that's because you got all the crabs in the barrel mm -hmm. however however on the way to that top to that pinnacle you're going to lose friends you're going to lose family mm -hmm. you're going to lose so associates mm -hmm. there are people that will be jealous of you there mm -hmm. are people that are not going to support you mm -hmm. but along the way if you stay focused on getting to the top of that triangle, you will pick up the right people that will be there for you to help push you up to the top. I love that. You have to change your associations. The five people in your network mm -hmm. are your network. And I will tell you, listen to this. Look okay. at the five people that are around you every day that you hang out with. Mm -hmm. And what is their network? And that's why you're struggling. Mm, mm, mm. I love that, Jamila. You cannot afford by being one of them. I oh, I love that. I I wish we had more time because I would have you explain a little bit more about just even that last statement. And you've shared so many amazing tips today. I want to, you to give your final thoughts. So, in your final thoughts to our audience, and, and say you're just speaking to that one person who is considering, you know, this business, for example. What is it meant to you? And this is something you, I, as I was, uh, we were speaking the other night offline. Um, you mentioned turning your passion into profit and I had took notes on that and you know you probably people hear that all the time maybe but yours was a little bit different so what does it meant for you and your students and your business to turn your passion into profit and what does that process looks like when someone decides to work with the wholesale diva and you have about one to two minutes only on on if you don't mind to answer that and then we're going to close it up sure Okay. Whatever you're really, really, really deep down inside passionate about, mm -hmm. what keeps you up at night? What yes. makes you not able to go to sleep? Yes. What do you think constantly when you're out driving in your car, when you're on the bus, or when you're traveling, or when you're in church even? What mm -hmm. is it that you're thinking about? That is what the universe has gifted you with as a skill, and it is what you are supposed to be doing to make your wealth build your wealth and build your generational wealth. Right. Many of us mark because we are taught by our families, bless their hearts, go to school, get a good education and get a job. That's not always the path for everyone. That wasn't my path. Right. So you have to figure out what is it you're extremely passionate about? Mm -hmm. What is it that you wake up and do even if you weren't getting paid because you love it? Yes. That is what's going to generate revenue for you make you successful and you will 
attract the wealth that you are entitled to. Yes. And I would say in closing to your audience, stop building someone else's dreams mm -hmm. and start building your own. Because Les Brown says it best. Don't take your dreams to the graveyard with you. I love that. I love that. Don't take your dream to the to the graveyard with you. I love that. Can you please, Jamila, share a social media site where people can reach out to you for more knowledge about your programs and offerings, please? Absolutely. I'm on Facebook under J Gaines. That's J A Y G A I N E S. And if you go to Google, that's the easiest and quickest way to get to all my information. Just go to Google or Bing and type in the Wholesale Diva. It's all one word. Okay. All my information, all the books I've written, the CDs I've produced, my speaking engagements. Um, if anyone out there has a nonprofit organization or a profit organization and they would love to have me come out and speak, I'm available for speaking and booking engagements. I speak to groups and organizations and I also do private one-on-one -on -one training where I actually fly to your city and train you. So you can find me on Google, The Wholesale Diva. I love that. I am elated to have participated in this show today. I know that someone somewhere was touched by this wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much to the queen of the round table, Jamila Gaines, the wholesale diva, who is a mentor, coach, motivational speaker, event planner, and entrepreneur, entrepreneur builder family, who you can find out more at www.iamlisanobles.com slash podcast.html. And as a bonus family, visit www.iamlisanobles.com slash resources.html where you can receive free products for being a part of the Savvy Speaks podcast family. You know me. I love you. I truly do. And thank you for being a part of the show. And remember, remember my mantra. And as I always say, you are, you are family, a unique combination of experiences, clothed in purpose, strength, and destiny. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of the show. And we will see you right here next time on the Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast with Miss Lisa Nobles. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast with Ms. Lisa Nobles online at imlisanobles.com and on Facebook and Instagram at EWOFP. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review and we'll catch you next time on Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast. Activate, motivate, inspire.